walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh. What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing today? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, the hardest part of the ring, known by some of you as Kyle. Got a very special apron bump for you guys today, and not like different strokes. Um, yeah, nobody's getting molested on this episode, I don't think. Probably not, um, you know. Um, but <laughs> we got Ask Hard Anything. Couldn't think of a better name. Gonna be doing a little Q&A today. Question and answer, if you're unfamiliar. <laughs> So uh, as of about a week, a week or two ago, uh, I hit my three-year anniversary of podcasting, which I honestly I didn't even notice. But uh, I guess this will be a uh, the, the the special, the anniversary episode of sorts. Didn't want to do anything too crazy, just a little, little, little engagement with the uh, the apron bumpers, as I like to call them. Uh, they don't like to be called that, but that's why I like to call them. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, I should first of all. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for listening to this episode and all other episodes that you've listened to. Uh, it means a lot to see the growth of the podcast. Um, just a, a representation of that for my one year anniversary. I did another Q&A episode. And I got like, I don't know, four questions or so, four or five questions this year for year number three. I got about 30 questions, so thank you guys for submitting your uh, your questions and for tuning in, for uh, liking the video, as you should here, so maybe give you a little, give daddy a little subscribe-ski, maybe live, may, maybe leave the hardest part of the ring a nice little five-star review on the Apple podcast, the Spotify podcast, the the the, the, the rectal, rectum audio, pod, whatever platform you use give give me a follow a subscribe a tickle on the cheek a thumb up the ass whatever it is um but just wanted to say thank you to you guys and with that i don't think we should uh, delay we might as well just get right to the cues for me to uh stick up my a i think right so unless there's anything else um but i you know i guess i'll say um no uh typical retro reviews from the apron bump until 2023 we'll be coming back uh should be the first wednesday of january but um in the meantime feel free to go to apronbump.com you can go to all to the episodes tab at the top you can select any era promotion 
companies big and small across four different decades. Go if you, if, hey, if there's like a if like you skip the TNA episodes or something, why don't you go check those out? They're they're a fun time. Even if you don't like the company, you'll like the episodes. I promise. Um, Progress Wrestling too. A lot of people probably like. I don't know what Progress Wrestling is, but hey, guess what? Neither do I, and I'm figuring it out as I go along in the reviews. So a lot of good stuff in the archives. So go check that out in the meantime. But in the meantime of the meantime, let's get to some questions, shall we? Let me take a sip of Joe here. You know, if you're a, if you're a frequent uh, watcher of the Apron Bump, you know that I usually have my coffee mug right here. But man, did daddy spill his shit all over his keyboard the other day. Man, I Mickey mantled this shit and every fucking key somehow was covered in coffee. I tried to save it. I tried to I, you pick out the gimmicks here. You pick out the keys. You give it a scrub. You, you fucking put nail polish and anal beads all over it. But nothing saved it, but got a nice Black Friday deal on a nice little keyboard here in case anybody was interested. But nobody is. So let's get to some questions. Is that like the fifth time I've said that so far? Uh, let's let's start with an on-brand question for this podcast. Brought brought into us. By the way, if you're watching the YouTube, sorry, I keep like stalling it. If you're watching the YouTube version, I'll have all the Twitter handles and all the questions up on the screen and stuff like that. Check the description for all of the people who submitted questions as well. But like I said, we have a very on-brand question here from Eric at Eric Freeds. His question is: Which wrestlers? have taken the best apron bumps, in my opinion. It's a tough one. I mean, I feel like today, I mean, everybody and their mother is <laughs> taking an apron bump. Um, I know my mom did the other day. But um, the best apron bumps. I mean, you got to go with the classic. Kevin Owens powerbombing Sami Zayn on the apron at uh, NXT TakeOver. What what was the TakeOver? Revolution or something like that? When, when Sammy won the title, they had the whole post-match deal. That was like the most impactful apron bump, in my opinion. Um, it was even, I think it was even my, like my Twitter avatar for like a year or two. Um, impactful in that it meant a lot. It like put Sammy on the shelf for several weeks. It was devastating. Now a powerbomb on the apron is just like a transition move, a transition move in a match. And um, God, you got people getting pile dri- pile driven on aprons. Fucking Darby Allen and his coffin drop on the apron. He does that every once in a while. It always looks fucking repulsive. Who was Jungle Boy? He took a choke slam on AEW like a week or two ago from uh, Big Ass, um, Big Bill, whatever the hell they're calling him. I thought Jungle Boy was goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> paralyzed after that. I don't know how he wasn't. I don't know how more people aren't. Um, but best apron bumps, I guess Sami Zayn. I'll give it to him for that one. Um, Pac, I feel like Pac probably takes some good apron bumps. He, he's, take, he's, he's probably the best bump taker in general. So I'll give it to old uh, Sami Zayn and Pac. Kota Ibushi takes some. Didn't he fucking doesn't like break his neck every time he takes a bump on the apron. Next question from just from the Get Show podcast. What does wrestling mean to you? Well, that's a deep one. Um, man, what is wrestling? By the way, I should say I didn't really I tried my best not to like think about any of these questions <laughs> before I, I just want to like kind of go through the process while recording here. Um, but uh, man, 
what does wrestling mean to me? I mean, it's been the constant throughout my life. That's for sure. I mean, since I was about four years old or so. Because, I mean, things in my life have come and gone. Like hobbies, sports, friends, relatives. Um, puberty came and went. I mean, every, everything. Wrestling's always kind of stayed there. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's it's a, a place of normalcy, I guess. It's, it's like my anchor. If to, to not sound like an asshole, but like <laughs> wrestling's like always there. You know what I mean? If it's something that I just want to mindlessly put on as I go to sleep, it's there. If it's something that I want to like drink a beer and watch on a weekend night, it's there. If it's something that I want to unwind to on a weekday night, it's there. Like, and there's so much of it. I mean, it, it fulfills so many different like emotions. Like if I want serious wrestling, just fun wrestling, you know, mindless. Like it, it's just always it's like a constant in my life. And there's there is all obviously like a bit of nostalgia in there. Like I said, it's it's it started or I started watching it um, as a as a wee lad and uh, makes me feel like a little kid again. You know, isn't that what we all want? But I guess to tie a bow on it, wrestling to me is. I keep wanting to say it's home, but that, that I feel like I sound like a like a white girl on Instagram, like making a caption for a selfie. Home is where the heart is or some shit like that. I don't know. Um, that's a good question, though. It's fun. Wrestling's fun, I guess, is an easy way to, to put it. That's deep, Justin. That's deep. You got me thinking. I'm going to be thinking about that in the shower later. Uh, <laughs> uh, Michael Rag from the Ruthless Aggression Era podcast writes in writes in what am I fucking yeah everybody just wrote in a, a letter and put it in my P.O. box Michael asks which of your cats would win in a fight so if you're not aware I got Dwayne and Rock is Dwayne here well now Dwayne's not fucking here now that I need him um but we got Dwayne and Rock Dwayne is the big rotund he's like a like a medium hair white and gray cat he's a 16 pound boy He's kind of the dope of the two. When you got Rock, who is a six-pound tortoiseshell cat, who is uh, the the viper of the two. She slithers and she's like she's got an attitude. She's just a she's kind of a bitch, but she she's my bitch and she's adorable. Dwayne definitely has. <laughs> I feel like we're at UFC, like the tail of the tape. Dwayne has the size, obviously, but Rock is really good off her back. Like when Dwayne, Dwayne will like pin her down, but Rock has, she's wiry. She's got good jujitsu skills and she's always able to like fight out of it. So she's also, she's also way more like aggressive with the claws, at least on me. Cause Dwayne's like, you know, he's, he's kind of friendly with it. He, he might like nibble on you with his teeth, but Rock will just, it's no mercy. So I think, I mean, if it came down to it, if they had to fight to the death, I mean, Rock would probably take it just because just off, off cardio alone. I think Rock would win. But uh, good question. Good question, Mike. It's it's what everybody was wanting to know. Uh, Bama Dave from the Bama Chatter channel asks, if you were starting the Apron Bump Federation, the ABF, sounds like a bowling league, <laughs> who would you sign as your world champion, women's champion, and tag team champions. 
Okay, so these are like my centerpieces from my federation here, I see. World champion. I got a few names in my mind. I want somebody with charisma. I want maybe a heel. Someone like that has that kind of vibe. I'm thinking like, here's some people that are going through my mind. As far as world champion, MJF maybe. Maybe a Ricky Starks. Maybe a Seth Rollins. Who else? Try to think, you know, someone relatively young would probably be better, right? For the longevity of it all. I think MJF would make some waves. Like if you're asking me right now, I love Ricky Starks though. Who else would who else would there be? Grayson Waller is another one. Uh Carmelo Hayes. I'm thinking of like young up and coming guys. Cause like it's I could go ahead and say like Roman Reigns, of course, but like my man's on his way out. <laughs> Come on, so um looking towards the future. I'm gonna say Ricky Starks. I, I just I fucking love Ricky Starks, man. Um, we're kind of fresh off of his his heated promo with MJF on AEW Dynamite, but man, this this guy's always had it. I mean, I was probably talking about him on episode two when I was talking about NWA Power. Love Ricky Starks. I think he'd be a good guy to uh, center my company around because he he could be a babyface, a heel. He can go in the ring. Endless charisma, obviously. Uh, women's champion. Do I just be an asshole and say Becky Lynch? <laughs> um, Sasha Banks. I don't want Sasha Banks. Um, Sasha Banks. I'm. Uh, by the way, I'm tired of. I'm fucking tired of hearing about Sasha Banks. V- Mercedes Vernado. Mercedes Monet. Just tired of it. Oh, is she Sasha's uh, allegedly leaving WWE. Oh, Sasha Banks uh, m- may be appearing at Wrestle Kingdom. Who gives a? F- I'm, I'm fucking done with it. Um, like if she does cool, but like, I'm just, I'm fucking sick of the rumors. Um, so not Sasha Banks would be my answer. Um, who's in NXT? NXT has a lot of good talent. It's just not a great show. Um, Zoe starting and we need, again, we need somebody with charisma. Um, Roxanne Perez could be a good one. Lash legend. Uh, <laughs> who's the chick with the stupid fat ass, uh, Nikita Lyons. Um, that kind of doesn't narrow it down nowadays. Jesus Christ. Um, you know, you actually, you know what, you know, you, fuck. Athena would be a good one too, especially with this new version of her. You know what? I'm going to be an asshole. I'm going to say Becky Lynch. <laughs> I think star power is crucial here. If I'm starting my own federation, Becky Lynch would be a good one because she's still relatively young. She can go in the ring. I think she's getting better every day still and uh, obviously has that star power. And I think that's uh, crucial. So tag team champions. Um, there were some good tag teams. Don't want the young bucks. Or do I? Uh, easy. FTR. Come on now. FTR as the tag. Throw another set of belts on them. They just lost the ROH ones. Fill that shoulder back up with uh, the ABF titles. So we got Ricky Starks, FTR, Becky Lynch. I think that's all you need, huh? Well, not all you need. I mean, you need like challengers. You don't want just like four people fighting each other over and over again. Um, (laughs) I think that'd be a good start for the ABF. Uh, Year of Pod. 
I'm assuming Rogue sent this in from the Year of Duke and Rogue podcast. He asks, uh, is this a question or is this, is he just saying something to me? Bob Backlund is the most underrated and underappreciated champion of all time. Why is this greatness overlooked? Hey, Kevin, go fuck yourself. Adam Dyer from <laughs> Bob Backlund, man. You know what? If you grew up in the 40s or whenever he was wrestling, God bless you. Be a Bob Backlund mark. I uh, I will never get it. That doughy, fucking psychotic, just... He looks like... Look, don't get me wrong. He would tie me in a pretzel. To this day, I know he would. But, uh, man, the... Uh, he's not bland, I wouldn't say. He's just like, God, like... Just go away. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm so sick of Bob Backlund. Uh, in 2022, who else is... Who, I'm sick of Bob... Everybody on online is talking about their CM Punks and their Kenny Omegas. And I'm sitting here <laughs> going into 2023. It's goddamn Bob Backlund. Get off my TV. Um, so, yeah. Does that answer your question? I don't give a shit. Uh, Adam Dyer asks, create a fatal four-way with one wrestler, each from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. Doesn't have to be the most famous of each decade, but who would have the best, most exciting, crowd-pleasing match? Wow, that's a great question. Um, 80s, who, who, okay. I was born in 1993. I, I don't even, was, was Haystacks Calhoun wrestling? I don't think he was, right? Here, let's, let's give a little Google ski. Haystacks Calhoun died in 1889. In the 1989. Um, let's see. When did he wrestle? He stopped wrestling. Oh, did he fucking retire in 1979? Working in various territories. Oh, no, he worked in very... Okay, he he retired. He left the WWWF in 1979. I'm not going to pick K-Stacks Calhoun. I don't know why I'm... Uh, 80s, man. Uh, not Bob Backlund, that's for sure. Um, so I, I, I'm assuming I have to, the match would consist of them in the eighties. Like if I picked Bret Hart, it wouldn't be like 1996 Bret Hart. It would be 1980s, whatever Bret Hart. Um, I mean, do I go, I mean, do I go Japan? Maybe, maybe get a little, um, Antonio Inoki action perhaps. I mean, what kind of match do I want to have? Do I want to have like a bunch of. Don't want to have four similar guys, or do I want to just have a, a Styles clash? Who was the guy? Um, fuck. Um, eighties wrestlers of the eighties. Like I, I think I'm just like blanking on wrestlers of the eighties. Let's let's just Google that. I mean, I have a few in mind, just none that I want to have in a match. Like I'm not gonna put Thunder Lips or whatever Hulk Hogan was. Um. Or do I? <laughs> 50 greatest. Let's 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 read them all, shall we? Is that great Kali? Is that what I just saw? Oh, great Kabuki. <laughs> I was like, sir. Uh right, junkyard dog. Okay. Rocky Johnson. That's a thought. Not a lot of good stuff here. Lex Luger, Abdullah the Butcher, Kevin Sullivan. Why is Kevin Sullivan number 25 out of 50 in the wrestlers of the 80s? 
Um, Ultimate Warrior could be fun to throw in there. That might be a... Was he Ultimate Warrior? Yeah, he was in the 80s, right? He wasn't the Dingo Warrior, right? Sting. Sting's fun one. Randy Savage. Ooh, Roddy Pipe. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, no, I, I guess the match, because I'm thinking of, like, the build-up. Um, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. Ric Flair is an easy one I could do. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Ric Flair from the 80s. 90s, I am going to go... Ooh. No, you know, you know what I'm going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to have a... Just a hoss fight. I want explosions in this match. I want sweat flying. I want meat slapping. I want, I don't want it to be smooth. I want it to be just, just a lot of that. A lot of that. So here we go. This is what we're going to do. All right. 80s. I'm going to go Ultimate Warrior. 90s. I'm going to go Scott Steiner, like Steiner Brothers, Scott Steiner. 2000s, I'm going to go Samoa Joe. 10s, I'm going to go... Who do I go? Who, who's 10, 2010? Who would be a good... Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> All right, here's the match. We got Ultimate Warrior versus Scott Steiner versus Samoa Joe versus Walter. That's the match. Let, just let everybody just get murdered. And uh, man, who would win that shit? I guess we got to find out. I guess we can't. But um, yeah, we can get Joe and Walter. They can still have a match. Or Gunther. Um, but I want like Walter with the titties, you know, not like handsome Gunther, you know, I want, I want big daddy Walter against like ROH champion Samoa Joe against Steiner brothers, Scott Steiner against whatever the fuck warrior was doing in the eighties. <laughs> it would just be nonsense, but I'd love it. Um, great, great question, Adam. Great question. Uh, Matt Bishop from the terrible wrestling takes podcast asks, how hard is the hardest part of the ring? Pretty hard, Matt. Pretty hard. Um, I mean, right now, are you asking me like at the moment? I'm pretty flaccid. So I guess maybe, maybe my name's a misnomer here. Um, very, it's winter, you know, um, not a lot of good penis days in the winter, fellas. You all know that, right? We're, we're all we're all acorns right now. You know, when it comes to the summer, the sun's out. You got you got a heavy uh, andouille sausage. But uh, is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Probably not the fucking uh, Cajun sausage. But uh, yeah, here in December, it's in hibernation. Let's just say that. Uh, Steve. From the SCW Wrestling Channel asks, what would you like to see happen in wrestling in 2023? What would I like to see? So it's not what I think will happen. 
It's what I would like to see. That's a very broad question, but a good one. I would like to see more. Hmm. How do I phrase this? Well, I mean, I would like to see wrestling kind of continue on where it's at. I like where we're at in wrestling and that there's a lot of major companies. There are a lot of places for wrestlers to work. And I think that helps in um, kind of preserving their value. Like William Regal, for example, he had options to work in WWE or AEW. So he went with what supported himself and his family the most. And not because as fans, I, th I think we as fans kind of look into that, the personal element too much as a fan, like it doesn't really matter how much somebody makes, but I like that everybody has a chance to shine somewhere. And I'd like for that to continue. Although I would like, like, I feel like there's like a lot of little things I'd like to see. Like I'm having trouble, like thinking of like a broad thing to see in 2023, like AEW less less like just simmer down slow down just do you do stuff great sometimes it's just too much sometimes it's all rushed um like roh for example it looks like they're having a gonna have a tv show in 2023 which is great let's segment roh and aw let's put a border in between them and not have all the cross pollination because it kind of dilutes all the titles, it creates confusing kind of just hierarchies and on the roster. And it's just just a lot of shit, right? Like there's some good stuff, but it's just like too much. And like WWE. Um, I don't know, man. I've here, here here's you know here's here's an answer for this question. I'd like to see wrestling get away from the status quo. And I think WWE is the biggest culprit of that. Even with Triple H in power, it's still the same thing, man. It's it's the same show. I mean, just little things have changed, and um, you can't change the whole product overnight. But ultimately, when I tune into a Raw or a SmackDown, or even an NXT, it's just it's it's too clean, for a lack of a better term. It's too like conveyor belt. It's too nice and pretty and. I a little more a little more rough around the edges, maybe a little more realism, a little less of the tropes, you know, how everybody in a promo has to stand, you know, <laughs> face facing the hard cam little things here and there. I had a video of uh, 100 things to improve WWE. I would reference that video. A lot of little things that WWE does that. I mean, just a more realistic approach. I think would help everybody. Um, but that being said, I think, like I said, we're in a very good place in 2023. A lot of talents, a lot of opportunities to watch wrestling, whether it's AEW, WWE, Japan, uh, MLW, GCW, all the various independents around the world. So I think we're in a good spot and I, th I would like to see that continue, I guess. Is that an answer? Probably not. And actually I'll end, you know, I feel like that was kind of a generic answer. In 2023, here's here's some people that I want to get some spotlight. Uh, maybe that's not your question, but that's kind of how I can interpret it. So what would I like to see happen in 2023? I would like to see these people get some spotlight. Cody Rhodes, 
Sami Zayn. I'd like to see Kota Ibushi come back and sign with a major promotion. I'd like to see Serena Deeb have a more prominent f- focus on TV. I'd like to see uh, less Britt Baker. I'd like to see some, but I, I would like to see the bloodline start to crumble, maybe from Imperium. I'd like to see a bloodline versus Imperium feud. Maybe Imperium kind of takes their spot, so to speak. I'd like to see Ricky Starks take off, be a weekly fixture on AWTV. I'd like to see ROH do great stuff. Final Battle was an awesome pay-per-view, and I'd like to see them continue to build storylines within the ROH bubble and uh, make those pay-per-views mean more with more build-up and stuff like that. But I'd like to see ROH take off. I'd like to see AEW get rid of the ROH elements and have just their AEW stuff. More Daniel, more Brian Danielson on my TV. There's a lot of little things I like to see in 2023. Um, JJ at JJ underscore Ren asks, will you create an OnlyFans of your thighs and kendo sticks content? I mean, I feel like I kind of offer it for free already. So like, (laughs) look, man, if there's a demand for it, hey, man, I have no shame. Uh, all the thighs, all the kendo sticks. You want me to put on uh, a um, a French maid outfit and wield a kendo stick? You want, to be, you want me to be Sandman, maybe, perhaps? Slutty Sandman, perhaps? Uh, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of options, a lot of ways we can go with this. A lot of money left on the table, probably, without that. So, yeah, you know what? Yes is the answer for that. <laughs> uh, Nick from the Universal Wrestling Podcast asks... What was your favorite match and or matches of the pandemic era? Man, that's a not a lot of good, <laughs> not a lot of good matches during the pandemic era. Let me tell you, um, or maybe there were not a lot of memorable ones. I'll say that. Um, favorite match? You got the greatest match ever between Edge and Randy Orton. I mean, it was just in the title. So like. It's not even up for debate. They told us it's the best match ever. Um, It was a very good match. I don't know if I put that the best. I feel like there's probably some sleeper ones that I'm just not remembering. Um, I think Sasha Banks and Asuka had some really good matches. Um, They had like an Extreme Rules match or something. Um, One like Bailey. Bailey had a... No. Who had a Hell in a Cell match? Sasha and Bailey. I think they did, right? Sasha and Bailey had a hell in a cell match during the pandemic. That was very good. A lot of Sasha Sasha matches. Drew McIntyre, I feel like, had some good matches. Uh there was a triple threat match between Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman, and Bobby Lashley. That was really good. I think that was like Night of Champions. I forget what pay-per-view it was, but um, the women's Royal Rumble where Bianca won was really good. Uh, the Boneyard match, of course, that might be my favorite. Um, I like that a lot more than the Firefly Funhouse. The Boneyard is probably my favorite cinematic match uh, of the pandemic. Um, what did AEW do? I feel like I'm listening to a bunch of WWE stuff. I mean, they had some good, like Eddie Kingston and John Moxley had a good match. Feel like Brody Lee, Brody Lee versus Cody Dog Collar was very good. It's all I can really think of, to be honest. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some that I'm forgetting, um, but those are ones that come to mind. 
if you're going to point a gun to my head and ask me what my very favorite is, got to go the Boneyard match just because <laughs> fucking silly it was. And that it main evented WrestleMania. AJ Styles versus The Undertaker in the main event of WrestleMania. That's just insanity insanity to me just just with that. But then you add AJ gets buried alive and there's zombie. It's a whole thing. Um, just the most ridiculous stuff about wrestling. And I love it. Um, Keith from the universal wrestling podcast has, uh, he has two questions for me. His first is how much are you packing down there? Not a lot, Keith, not a lot. Aggressively average. Um, Keith also asks Sean or Brett's. I assume you mean Sean Michaels or Bret Hart, not Sean uh, Mendez or Brett Favre. Uh, so Sean Michaels, Bret Hart, who do I choose? Well, as far as who I like watching, and I mean, Sean has the longevity over Brett, I think. Sean did a lot more stuff that I enjoy over a longer period of time. Obviously, the more charismatic of the two, but also perhaps maybe more of a dick back in the day, maybe even still to this day. Bret Hart, not exactly a slice of sunshine either as a person, but uh, had re- he was so much a shining light in the new generation era. But I guess Sean was too. Um Brett was just so good, man. They were just Sean and Brett were good in different ways. I guess that's why it's the argument, right? They're so close to each other. Um, I feel like my answer probably changes on this every couple of weeks, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Sean Michaels. I guess you're wondering. Um, just because, like I said, he did a lot. Like later in his career, he did a lot of good stuff. And obviously, Brett was couldn't wrestle. After the stroke and the concussions and all that stuff. But Sean, man, I mean, it's we got we got to work with the data we got. And I mean, I think Sean just came off the screen more. Um, I think he had more matches that I enjoy. Um, Maybe he had better dancing partners than Bret Hart. Who knows? But it's close. It's close. And I'm also a big Goldberg fan, so I don't, <laughs> I don't appreciate Bret Hart and his slander on Big Bill. So uh, I'm going to go Sean here. But if you ask me tomorrow, I might have a different answer. Um, BC Hunter from the Wrestling With The Truth podcast asks, is TNA not backing the Brinks truck up to Brock Lesnar's front? What's, what's Brinks? Is that a Canadian reference? Hold on, let me let me research Brinks. Oh, it's like a it's like a a month like a bank, like a, what do you call that? Like an armored, it's a bullet resistant armored truck that carries money and valuable goods. Okay, I understand now. I understand. That's what a Brinks truck is. So is TNA not backing the Brinks truck up to Brock Lesnar's front door? The most TNA thing that TNA ever TNA'd. Uh, great question. That's a, a recent topic that's come up. I guess Brock Lesnar uh, was asking Kurt Angle. I believe this is the story. He, he was kind of probing Kurt Angle. He's like, hey, man, you could you get me in the front door? Could you get me in the TNA? And Kurt was like, yeah, man. But I guess TNA, Dixie Carter, they didn't want to offer Brock Lesnar the money that he wanted to uh, come into TNA. 
And I guess Brock was asking for the same amount of money that Kurt was. So I guess it wasn't an unreasonable amount. But TNA decided not to sign him. I'm sure there's more to this story than what we know. But uh, man, Brock Lesnar and TNA um, would have been big. But when was this? Let, let, let me let me see when this was, because I think the year of this happening means like has a lot of weight on the situation. Brock or Kurt Angle says Brock Lesnar wanted to join TNA after WWE exit, but execs declined. This from let's see here. Do we got a year here? 2007. Wow. So pretty early after his departure from WWE. Because he left what in 2004, right? It's only three years after. In 2007, TNA was picking up some steam. I guess, Mike, I guess how I'm thinking of this is Brock Lesnar bigger than any other star that TNA brought in? I mean, is, is, is Brock Lesnar in 2007? Remember, this is 2007. So let's think with that context. Was Brock Lesnar a bigger star than Kurt Angle? I don't know if he was. Um, I mean, Kurt Angle had obviously been in the game longer. He was a big fixture in the Attitude Era, which automatically I feel like puts him in a different like as far as pop culture, mainstream, like I think Kurt Angle is on a different level than Brock Lesnar. Um, Brock Lesnar. Here's the thing about Brock Lesnar. I think his UFC run did a lot for his um, his mystique, his um, what's the word I'm looking for? His value, I guess, in the eyes of everybody, whether it's wrestling, mixed martial arts, Hollywood, whatever, whatever Brock's doing. I think his run in the UFC built him up a lot because he it, it showcased him to a completely different audience. And when Brock was in UFC, I mean UFC, I mean UFC is still huge today, but uh, UFC was was red hot at the time Brock was there. And if he goes to TNA, I guess he would not be in UFC. So if we're thinking of Brock in 2007 TNA, the UFC thing isn't a, is is not a factor is, is what I'm getting at, which comes back to the question was Brock with just his WWE run to his credit. Was he a bigger star than anybody in TNA that they already had? Because the reason I asked that is because TNA, I mean, they could bring in, they brought in Kurt Angle then Booker T Kevin Nash, um, Scott Steiner, the Dudley boys, Jeff Hardy, Hulk. Ho- they brought in Hulk Hogan. Okay, Eric Bischoff, um, Kurt Angle, I think I already said. Um, I feel like there's just a ton of names I'm, I'm even forgetting, too. They brought they bring in guys like Tito Ortiz and like the NASCAR guys. They brought in Rampage Jackson. I don't know if Brock, I don't know if Brock Lesnar in 2007 would have it would have been a quick spike, I think. But I think it's still he would have fell into that TNA kind of vibe. And I don't think Brock Lesnar would be the star he is today had he done that. So I think for Brock Lesnar, actually, I think TNA denying Brock Lesnar did more for Brock Lesnar. Um, I, th- I think the, the story here is that did a lot for Brock Lesnar and his, his career going forward. But I mean, TNA, obviously, they would have benefited from Brock Lesnar. 
Um, but then you have the whole financial aspect. Would it have crippled them to sign him? Who knows? But yeah, I don't know if that's as big a deal as people are making it. But uh, it would have been interesting for sure. I feel like Brock Lesnar would have looked weird in a TNA ring. I don't know. Just at a big bastard. I mean, they had a lot of big guys there, but I don't know. I guess Brock and Kurt could have rekindled their rivalry. Could who, who could he? Brock versus Abyss. Sure. Um, I think Monty Brown was good. Man, Brock Lesnar versus peak Monty Brown would have been something. Oh, daddy choke me. That would have been fun. Um, but yeah, would have been interesting, but I don't think it was as big a deal as uh, people are making out to be, I guess, is my answer. Matt at True Prince of Pro on Twitter asks, if you could take prime ECW era Hack Myers and transport him into any era of wrestling, which company slash era would you like to see him compete in? And who are the dream dream opponents that you would like to see the Shaw face off against? First of all, Matt, I don't think there, there's a prime hack of my <laughs> The Shaw, man, I'm just kidding. The Shaw, I gotta respect the Shaw. Um, so we're taking like what, 1995 Hack Myers, I guess, 96 Hack Myers, and putting him in any other company era. Um, I think, man, I would have loved to see Hack Myers face off against Daniel Bryan in WWE. I mean, could you imagine the Shaw? Yes, Shaw. Yeah, like the back and forth. I mean, the story just writes itself. It would be a technical masterclass and uh, would get uh, seven stars. Hack Myers would probably take Daniel Bryan's spot at WrestleMania 30. You would have Hack Myers holding up both world titles with the pyro and the confetti going off. Uh, Hack Myers would be hugging his family and Connor the Crusher ringside. Hack Myers would go on to uh, not have to relinquish the title because he's the Shaw and he does not get injured. And um, he would go on to take wrestling to bigger and better heights, heights that it has never seen before. So, man, what could have been? What could have been? Hack Myers from the last house on the left, of course. So, man, now you're just making me want that and we're never going to get it, Matt. So thank you for that. Um <laughs> Uh, Ted the Hillbilly Heel asks, do you think the booking was correct to allow Paul Jones to get his head shaved by Jimmy Valiant in 86? Thanks, he says. Um, man, is a question that I've been I get a lot of fan mail and it often reads, hey, hardest part of the ring. You know, you have an amazing podcast. You do so good. You're so handsome. You have such a huge cock. But the only thing that I think your podcast is missing is more discussion on Paul Jones and Jimmy Valiant, primarily in the 86 era. And I hear you guys. I hear you all. You're all you're all writing in. I hear you. Ted has given me the platform to finally touch on this topic of uh, the head shaving of Jimmy Valiant or the head shaving of Paul Jones uh, by Jimmy Valiant. It's a great question. Sometimes questions just have too many answers um, to uh, provide a valid one. And the question with answers that you provided, Ted, 
Uh, the answers are a plenty, you know. So next question we got <laughs> Will Will Gray from Botch Spots and Chair Shots asks. He has three questions for me. Thank you, Willie boy. Uh, let me tickle your Willie. But um, he asks favorite slash least favorite gimmick or character that you've seen. So I guess my favorite and my least favorite. Least favorite Jim Duggan, probably. Um, <clears throat> the taped fist thing. Jim Duggan immediately comes to mind. Um, Shocker kind of sucked as well from TNA. He was, uh, if you're not familiar with Shocker, he was in a McDonald's commercial one time. Um, also comedic, also competed in Mexico under the CML, CMLL promotion, I believe. And uh, TNA brought him in thinking people would know him because he was in a McDonald's commercial one time and nobody fucking cared about him. Uh, so Shocker, Jim Duggan. Who else? The Renegade. Renegade was, was atrocious. Um... Are there any, any modern ones that kind of sucked? I'm not a big Dan Housen guy. I get it. It's just not for me. Like, I, 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 can, I can appreciate the silly characters for whatever reason. Dan Housen does not do it for me. What was Al Snow's stupid uh, karate? Avatar. Avatar was the shit. Um, I feel like new generation. You could just create a fucking like a scroll list full of like a Chris Jericho list of a thousand bad gimmicks here. But um, I feel like WC cause I'm not very familiar with WCW. I feel like there's a, a gold mine of bad characters there, but uh, continue listening to the podcast. We'll get to him eventually, but I'm going to say Jim Duggan cause fuck Jim Duggan as my least favorite favorite. Um, I love Samoa Joe, man. I'm a big Samoa Joe Mark. I love, like mid 2000s Samoa Joe it is very it's a simple character, but it's effective. He had a mystique about him. Um, I like the guys with that kind of mystique. like Walter, like late 2010s. Walter had that mystique about him. Um, if we're going like with the outlandish characters, I mean, I guess Undertaker, you got to throw him in there. Uh, I was a big Kane fan growing up. You know, Kane, like early Kane was a scary looking motherfucker. Um, Ken Shamrock. I always loved his character growing up. Just a psychopath with gloves. Um, <laughs> was that the pitch for Ken Shamrock? Um, Bray Wyatt. I, I really, really enjoyed the fiend uh, for like a week. <laughs> so uh there's a lot of characters like that you gotta translate to the ring and i don't know if bray wyatt has figured that out yet um so jim duggan for my least favorite favorite um let's just say beaver cleavage uh favorite least favorite pay-per-view favorite pay-per-view i've said it before on the podcast wrestlemania 17 just the perfect show had something for everybody had a really hot program on top, had a lot of legendary matches in between a lot of good angles. It's, it's the perfect show. And in the hottest period of wrestling, it was just, a, it was just a, uh, a merging of a lot of different elements that made it, uh, amazing. Uh, least favorite pay-per-view. 
I've seen a lot of them recently. <laughs> Man, 1995 wrestling is riddled with a lot of a lot of candidates for this question. Uncensored WCW uncensored 1995 is just a travesty. Um, in your house, like four and five are both really bad. Um, so is three. I probably I'm probably gonna have to go uncensored. 1995 there just nothing mattered there were so many plot holes the wrestling was awful it was just all around bad um go check out that review in the archives uh to find out exactly why king of the road match was uh something to see though always love to see some bumbling idiots fight in a moving truck full of hay so favorite superstar to watch wrestle I love watching Kenny Omega wrestle, man. That seems like kind of like a cliche answer, but man, he's just so like explosive and he's so handsome and his legs are so juicy. Um, But yeah, no, he's I love watching Kenny Omega wrestle. Love watching Brian Danielson wrestle. Those are probably my top two. If I had to uh, watch, I love watching Monty Brown wrestle. (laughs) I love I love the love the uh, the girth Samoa Joe, of course. Um, that'd probably be my Mount Rushmore of love to watch wrestle Samoa Joe, Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson, and, uh, Monty Brown, man, what a rock formation that is, huh? <laughs> yeah. I feel like all those guys, they kind of like, cause there are, there are wrestlers that like have their routine. Like Rob Van Dam, for example, he has like his five things that he does <laughs> like early ECW or like early Rob Van Dam and ECW was different. Like he had he was doing all these outlandish things that nobody had seen before. But as soon as as soon as like 2002 hit RVD was like, all right, rolling thunder. Here's a kick. Here's a frog splash. Like and there's just a lot of wrestlers that are good, but fall into that kind of category. Even like a Shawn Michaels, kind of the same. He had like three moves. Um, Brian Danielson is a guy who like he he has like so many ways to finish matches. He can do so many styles. He's so like the ground game is so interesting to watch, but he can also like fly. He can also do the strong style striking. Same thing with Samoa Joe and um, who else did I say? Kenny Omega. Same thing. And uh, Monty Brown is Monty Brown. So I don't really need to provide any rationale behind that. I think we all, I think we're all on the same page with that. Uh, so that would be my four. I know you asked me my favorite superstar, but, uh, go fuck yourself. Uh, two thousands WWE asks, where does EO Shirai rank for you in the list of greatest in ring female workers of all time? So I've never seen EO Shirai wrestle outside of WWE. So I admittedly have an ignorant kind of viewpoint of her. Because I feel like I probably haven't seen her best stuff. That being said, with what I've seen in WWE, not a huge fan. I mean, she's very, I don't know. Um, She's fine, right? I feel like there haven't been a lot of Io Shirai matches that I loved. Like, I see her and she's like, she's athletic. She can be charismatic. She has a lot of cool moves. But I can't really pinpoint, I mean, other than her Candice LeRae matches, she's had a few really good ones with Candice LeRae, like early NXT days. 
But um, unfortunately, man, I feel like as as we sit here in 2022, I, I feel like and it happens with a lot of people. Shinsuke is the same way. People kind of have their style where they wrestled before and then they come. To, and I was just I was just talking about it with Rob Van Dam. It's the same kind of thing. They had their style. They had their uniqueness to them. They had what made them magical. And then they come to WWE and they kind of just slither into this formulaic kind of stuff that WWE does. And they kind of just become another another face in the crowd. And unfortunately, I think Io Shirai has gotten to that point. Same thing with Shinsuke. Same thing with Rob Van Dam, like I was just talking about. Um, I mean... This is why AJ versus Shinsuke at WrestleMania wasn't as good as their Wrestle Kingdom match because it was a WWE match. Not to shit on WWE too much, but like they have their formula, you know? They have their limitations, and I feel like Io Shirai has suffered because of that, unfortunately. So for that reason, she doesn't rank super high to me. But like I said, I haven't seen her stardom stuff, so keep that in mind. But yeah, I wouldn't put her in the top 10, probably not even in the top 20 from what I've seen. Maybe top 20, but definitely not top 10. Wrestling should be fun, asks. It's Christmas. Booker, bingo, Santa Claus versus Balls Mahoney. So if you're not familiar with Booker Bingo, um, it's a, it's a uh, staple of the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast, which, by the way, you guys should check out. On their show, they always they have a segment where they it's called Booker Bingo, and they basically pick two random wrestlers, just a all time, whatever. And uh, each person on the show has to book a program <laughs> between the two. Um, like when I was on the show, um, she was probably like a year ago at this point. Uh, the Booker Bingo was, I believe it was Tamina and Conan. I believe it was. <laughs> and we had to each book a program between the two. So I believe it's Ross asking this. Uh Booker bingo between Santa Claus and Balls Mahoney. If you're not familiar, they're the same person. Santa uh, Claus. Look, Santa Claus. He was on. What was it in your house? Um, there was like a Santa Claus segment. Santa Claus attacked Savio Vega or something with his bag of gifts. And Ted DiBiase was there. It was all stupid. I don't know. Because Santa Claus was not there <laughs> for very long, so I don't really know much about him other than that. Balls Mahoney, of course, of ECW fame and uh, all that stuff. So if there was a program between, between Santa Claus and Balls Mahoney, I'll do like an abridged version of Booker Bingo. It was interesting. Like, wh what, what era does this take place in? Is this like Balls Mahoney coming into 1995? Or is this Santa Claus coming into uh, whenever Balls Mahoney was wrestling? When, when did Balls Mahoney become a thing in ECW? When, when did he make the excursion from Nutley, New Jersey? Balls Mahoney. He went to ECW in 1996. The Hardcore Chair Swinging Freaks. Is that a tag team? Holiday Hell. So late 96. Okay. So it was pretty much a full year in between Santa Claus and Balls Mahoney, I believe, right? Because he left WWE pretty much right away, right? Yeah, late 90, early 96, I guess. But he debuted on Holiday Hell, Balls Mahoney did. So that's interesting. All right. <clears throat> so maybe that's the source of it. So Balls Mahoney 
debuts at Holiday Hill 1996 in ECW. Um, he has his chair, right? That's his thing. He's swinging it. He, he's, you know, whoever he's facing. Uh, El Porto, Ricano, uh, Hack Myers, whoever the fuck he's, he's beating up. And uh, he wins his match. After the match, ninjas attack. But not just any ninjas. They're elf ninjas. So a van pulls up to the ring, like right up to the ring. A bunch of elves breach the doors of the van, storm the ring. Like I'm talking like because they're elves, right? You can fit a lot in a van. I'm talking like like 40 elves come out of this van, right? They surround the ring. They surround Balls Mahoney. They all they're all in the apron. They all have their their hats and their pointy noses and their candy cane. They all have candy canes, of course, not Singapore canes, candy canes. And then out of the driver's seat of the van comes out a coked out Santa Claus. He uh, he he enters the ring. The the elves part for him to enter the ring. He has his he has his sack full of some vague objects in there. And um, gets face to face with Balls Mahoney. He takes a sack of, of stuff. He puts it on the ground. He opens it. What's in the bag, you ask? He opens the bag. Xanta asks Balls to take a look inside the bag. And because Balls Mahoney is a big dumb idiot. Balls looks in the bag. Xanta takes the bag and wraps it over Balls Mahoney's head, stuffs him in the bag. Like half the elves come in, they grab the bag, they throw balls in the van and they drive away to the North Pole. And then uh, the next show, we have a match between Santa Claus and Balls Mahoney taking place at the North Pole. They have a ring set up. You know, there's there's penguins and polar bears and whatever the hell else is at the North Pole. They have a ring set up. It's outside. And they have two poles on each adjacent corner of the ring. One pole has a chair for Balls Mahoney. And one pole has a sack of shit for Santa Claus. So Santa Claus and Balls Mahoney, the payoff, the blow off of this feud is a North Pole on a pole match with a chair and a sack of shit. Now, what would be a better way to call it? It'd be a uh, it'd be a chair and a sack of shit on a pole in the North Pole match. And the winner is neither of them because they both freeze to death and die. So um, the next question. <laughs> I got like sucked into that. I don't Is it just me? I got truly invested in that for a second. I went a little cross-eyed and got way too deep into it. Um, T. Austin, 17, asks... He has, two question for, he has two questions for me. His first is, what has been your biggest improvement from when you started podcasting? Um, that's a great question. I mean, a bunch of little things have improved. I feel like, you know, the audio improves a little bit day by day. The video improves. The... The, the graphics improves. Um, I get better at promoting stuff. 
Um, I think ultimately the biggest improvement has been, um, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but um, I feel like I've ingrained myself in the community to a certain extent. I feel like a lot of people will kind of do that. And there's nothing wrong with this, really. But in terms of like growing your show, I think it hinders it when you kind of like just do your show and just kind of have your you're kind of just your bubble around yourself. You're like, hey, people watch this. Hey, people, I did this episode. Come watch it. But you're not really giving them a reason to. And I feel like I've made a lot of friends, you know, having guests on the podcast, going on other people's podcasts. And I feel like just doing that kind of builds your the the conversation, the, the how to how to make an episode flow, how to prompt discussion like these are all little things that um I, i'm still very much working on i'm not an expert <laughs> by any means on any of this not, not not nothing in podcasting am i an expert on but i think the, the, what i've improved the most is just talking to people um just making like creating an interesting discussion at least in my eyes because I mean, at the heart, I'm a very introverted person. I'm not a I'm not a person that's in, in the normal life. I'm not gonna just go up to somebody and talk to them like a stranger. You know what I mean? That's not who I am. But I do that a lot, you know, in the podcasting space. So I think that is a skill that I've built up um, since I started podcasting for sure. I mean, ultimately, I, th- I feel like I just have more confidence, I guess, in podcasting. And as everybody, it takes time. Like your first. When you fire up the mic for the first time and you have your first episode, if you feel ridiculous, because look right now, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm looking at a camera and I'm talking to it. There's a fucking window in the background. There's squirrels walking. But I'm not talking to anybody, and it feels ridiculous. And it feels kind of like I kind of get like, okay, um, I guess we're gonna talk about this, and then you know, I, I listen to my early episodes, and it's like, hello, everybody. Uh, we're going to talk about some wrestling today. And uh, if you want, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, what's the deal with, uh, you know, the fucking John Cena and stuff? I don't know. <laughs> now I'm talking about my cock. I'm talking about my hemorrhoids. And not to say that that's a better aspect about uh, podcasting. But, it, you know, I feel like I'm. I feel like I can be a little more personal with you guys and I'm more comfortable doing that. And I think ultimately creating that persona that people can engage with is the most important thing. Um, T Austin also asks, what pay-per-view are you most excited to do a show on? Man, that covers a lot of ground. Um, there's a few that I'm very excited that are coming up shortly. Uh, bash at the beach 96, of course, not so much for the show itself, but more so for the aftermath of the show, I guess. Because that's when Nitro, I believe, starts to get really good. I mean, the NWO becomes a thing. So I would assume that's when <laughs> Nitro stops becoming a big bag of shit. Um, TNA Bound for Glory 2006. That's like when I started watching TNA regularly as a, you know, as it was happening live. And I remember Bound for Glory 06 being a really fun show. Um, Ring of Honor. I mean, I'm just excited. I, I don't really have any milestones in mind for ring of honor i don't really have a lot of knowledge what happens in the rest of 03 and 04 and 05 i'm just excited for the ride for that so there's not really any specific shows for ring of honor uh same thing with progress um 
Vengeance 2003 is going to be a fun one. That's like one of my favorite shows of all time. I'm excited to watch like the, the rise of Stone Cold. So like what? King of the Ring 96 uh, Survivor Series 96. I know I believe uh, Stone Cold and Bret Hart had a match at that show, which I've never seen before. So I'm excited to get to that. Those are just a few that I'm very excited to, for. Um, but that, that's why I love doing this, man. I mean, there's there's so many shows that I'm looking forward to in the future and keeps me on my toes. You know, I feel like if you're if you're doing a podcast on like the current product, it's always like, man, this shit might suck in a few months. <laughs> this shit, I might get tired of this, but here I like know what's coming and I'm excited to get to it. So a lot of shows I'm excited to get to. Frank from the last minute wrestling podcast. He has a few questions for me. Top three Triton matches. <laughs> Did Triton have three matches? Um, Triton, if you're not familiar, he is a uh, he was a TNA wrestler. Now you use wrestler uh, loosely. He was uh, this Undertaker esque character. He was this tall dude. He was a big guy, had a very tiny head, and he was just the shits in the ring. <laughs> he, was, he had a pay per view match. It was like his debut against Monty Brown. I believe it was Destination X 2005. Go go find this match if you uh, love to see train wrecks. I mean, Triton almost broke Monty's neck. It was terrible. And then Triton got relegated to some tag team with Simon Diamond. Had a few matches with him and then he was let go shortly after. And I don't think he did anything in wrestling after that. So... I mean, I guess Triton versus Monty Brown would have to be the top one, right? <laughs> he had a couple who gives a fuck tag matches on Impact, but I wish I had three matches in mind, Frank. I really do. Uh, his next question is, are Italians good in bed? And this kind of ties in with his third question. Who's sexier, me or at IWC Killed Kenny, who is uh, Kenny from a Kenny for Your Thoughts podcast. So Frank is asking who is sexier, him or him or Kenny? And he's asking, is our Italians good in bed? I think those kind of go hand in hand, so to speak, or, you know, penis and uh, penis. So uh, just for the sheer uh, virality and uh, the sheer turgidness of Italians, the gentle yet firm lovemaking of uh, the people from Italy, just off of pure passion, I would have to say you are sexier. Frank, uh, Kenny's more of a side chick, like a 1 a.m. you up kind of guy. Um, whereas f you, Frank, I feel like we could light some candles, we can make it a pizza, so to speak, and um, make some cannolis. I guess I don't know. Uh, <laughs> great question, Frank. Great questions. Uh, Omar at Omar the Player Guy asks. Explain to me why Frank from Last Minute Wrestling Podcast is based AF. What does based mean, first of all? Is that like cool? You know? Is that like I hear I see people say that and I'm like, what does that mean? How old am I? What does based mean? Based is a slang term that originally meant to be addicted to crack cocaine, but was reclaimed by a rapper, Lil B. 
for being yourself and not caring what others think of you to carry yourself with swagger. So I guess swag. Swagalicious would be the synonym for based, I guess. Right. Um, I think I just explained it. I mean, I feel like I just pretty much covered it. Why he is uh, based AF Omar. Uh, Ashley Clements asks worst pay-per-view you've covered for WWF. WCW, ECW, TNA, and ROH. Well, for WCW, I think I kind of touched on this earlier, but Uncensored 1995 was just a abortion of a show. Um, WWF slash E, it would definitely be a new generation show. My thoughts are either WrestleMania 11 or In Your House 3. WrestleMania 11, of course, you have... Um, What's his face? The football player. Why am I blinking on his name? Lawrence Taylor, of course. WrestleMania 11, of course, you have the main event. Lawrence Taylor, uh, the football player versus Bam Bam Bigelow, which was the match of the night, if that tells you anything. You got Sean versus Diesel, which is fine. You got kind of like a botched finish to that. And then you got a bunch of bullshit. You got Taker versus King Kong Bundy. You got Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund in an I Quit match. Just a lot of yuck. I'm looking at this card now. Um, But In Your House 3 was just boring, man. WrestleMania 11 had some like charm to it just based on how silly and bad it was. uh, In Your House 3 was just boring, dude. I'm going to say In Your House 3 uh, so far. For WWF slash E. Uncensored for WCW. ECW. They all kind of blur together, man. I'm going to be honest. It's pretty consistent, ECW. I think, what was the show? It was Hardcore Heaven. was particularly like... It was the show I did with Kenny from A Kenny for Your Thoughts, who I referenced earlier. Because me and him were talking before we recorded. We were like, what the fuck do we talk about? And like, what happened on this show? I felt like nothing happened. Um, I think it was Hardcore Heaven. It was the show where Tommy, there was like a cage match and Raven was handcuffed to a cage and Tommy Dreamer smashed his head with a chair. It's like a very iconic shot, but that's like the only cool thing that happened on the show. So they had like a re a replay of Hack Myers versus Val Puccio. It was, it was bad. So probably that one, Hardcore Heaven, 1995. Uh, TNA. Um... Some of the early TNA shows that I covered were just slugs to get through, dude. Destination X, the one I just mentioned with Triton, was pretty bad. uh, Because you had that Triton match with Monty Brown. You had, um, I think, Daniels defended the the X Division title against Shocker. Or was that when Shocker debuted? I don't remember. Um, Destination X 05 was pretty bad. Um, just cause Triton was on it. And I think that's where Monty Brown turned heel. So I have a sour taste in my mouth because of that. Uh, cause that kind of killed his career. Ring of honor. Again, some of like, like the 2002 ring of honor shows kind of run together. They're all in the same or most of them were in the same venue. So it's hard to kind of like pinpoint what happened on which show. Night of the butcher was <laughs> pretty tough to watch, especially, especially, the main event with it was Abdullah the Butcher and Homicide versus the Carnage crew. That was just a weird one, dude. 
Um, and I don't remember anything of note happening on that show other than that. So, um, something like the early Ring of Honor show, like very early, I think it was like a road to the title. It was just like wrestling matches, like that when there's no like storylines or really still was like before the world titles, there's not even stakes. There was no tag title either. So it's just wrestling for the sake of wrestling, which was pretty like, and they're like three hour shows, man. Like you have some people wrestling more than once too. It's like, they were tough to get to some of those early ring of honor shows, um, road to the title in particular. I remember it was like tedious. It was very tedious. So yeah, there would be my, those would be my worst shows that I've covered so far. And, uh, wrapping it up here with Katie from the Sheelite showcase has a few questions for me. She asks, what's the favorite show that I've covered? I guess in terms of like the show itself, not, not really the podcast review of it. Um, as far as shows that I've covered, I mean, I covered WrestleMania 17 and I said that was my favorite show of all time, but, um, other shows that I've stumbled upon, I mean, TNA has had some really good shows. Um, Unbreakable 2005 was really fun. Um, Ring of Honor has had some good shows. The one I covered recently, uh, Death Before Dishonor 2003 was a really fun one. A lot of the progress shows have been really fun. ECW, like I said, it's been consistent. No, no, no really lows, but not a lot of highs either. Uh, WCW has been mostly shit so far, as has WWF in the new generation. Survivor Series 1995 was actually a very fun show. WrestleMania 18 was fun. I really liked WrestleMania 18. SummerSlam 2002, awesome show. Um, as far as like what show I had, I remember having the most fun watching might be, I'm gonna go WrestleMania 18 just to kind of get away from the WrestleMania 17. Um, cause that would be the easy answer, but WrestleMania 18 was really fun. Cause I mean, you had rock and Hogan, which obviously that's what the show is, right? That's what people remember it by. But I like all the other matches were pretty good. Like I remember being like, pleasantly surprised by pretty much every match on the show. Like Kurt Angle versus Kane was good. Christian versus DDP was good. You have edge versus Booker T was good. Um, I really, I remember really enjoyed uh, watching WrestleMania 18. I also had uh, a little too many edibles while watching that show. So that might've contributed to it. And uh, her, her final question is what plans do you have for the podcast in 2023? For one, you know, more of the retro stuff, kind of keeping along with the same format, you know, the same kind of the same companies kind of continue continuing on uh, the narratives that we're on now. A lot of shows that I'm looking forward to that kind of touched on earlier. I would like to kind of get more into the current product as well. Maybe not so much in long form podcast form maybe more so in short form YouTube video kind of stuff. Um, I would like to have more like, cause I've done stuff like that in the past. I've, I've had, you know, subjects that I've touched on. I've touched on like, you know, why Bianca Belair losing in 20 seconds was the best thing for her career. I just had a video of uh, creating the perfect pay-per-view schedule. I've had tier lists on my YouTube. I want to do more of that, but even less like, 
like I want to have like five, 10 minute videos on certain topics. And I always say I'm going to keep it short, but then it ends up being a fucking hour long. Um, <laughs> but I'd like to do more of that uh, for the podcast. So subscribe to my YouTube if you're not already. Um, more of that coming in 2023. I'm, I'm, I've been gradually increasing the, the amount of YouTube exclusive stuff. And um, I'm going to start really hitting it hard in 2023. But uh, other than that, meeting more people, doing these, this podcasting thing, having more guests, having reoccurring guests that I love talking wrestling with. And uh, yeah, Hogan turning heel, etc. So uh, lots of lots of fun stuff coming up for the apron bump in 2023 and with that i believe that is all the questions if i if i miss somebody somehow um you probably have a small cock so that it seems like it's your fault um um, thank you once again thank you guys for submitting your questions and thank you all for watching and listening uh it means a lot like i said in the beginning to um See people engage with the podcast, see people listening and watching. And it, uh, it truly, it helps me you know, stay motivated to keep doing this every week. And uh, it's been a fun time, man. And everybody that's come on the podcast and will continue to come on the podcast has been uh, something I've enjoyed more than I thought I would. So in the community that, you know, the group of friends that I've made through doing this, it's been um, something I didn't expect. So that, that alone has made this worth it. And, uh, I feel like this is like the uh, the end of a Full House episode with the piano playing in the background. Listen, Michelle, you know, for every Jim Duggan, for every renegade, there's someone like you who I do enjoy. So, well, anyways, that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, we'll be off during the holidays. Um, but plan to return January 4th. We'll be back to a normal, normally scheduled programming. And uh, but until then, peruse the archives. I, I do a lot of content. So there's bound to be something you haven't listened to, whether it's w, like the new generation, the wrestling wars of the 90s, whether it's ruthless aggression, attitude era, TNA, Ring of Honor, progress wrestling. Go try something new and uh, or check out my YouTube for my various live streams, YouTube exclusive stuff and um, plan on doing more live stuff in 2023 as well. So go give a go good. Go give daddy a subscribe ski over there. And with that, I am going to go somewhere else. I'm, I'm going to hit stop and then I'm going to leave here. Um, <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening. Love you all. Appreciate you all. Big smooches all around. I'm hard. Yeah.